Welcome to Flock Talk, a podcast of GCF North. Flock Talk exists to inform, encourage, and inspire. This is your host, Dave Farley, lead pastor of GCF North. This is season one, episode three, and I'm joined today by my esteemed colleague, Brian Dixon, and two very, very famous GCF people, Mark and Kim Williams. Infamous? Famous? <laughs> so, who who are Mark and Kim Williams? Good question. Um, wow, <laughs> that's just like <laughs> you would think I'd know the answer to that, but I'm, I'm struggling here. G- give me, give me, give me just a, like a minute. Here's who our family is. Oh, okay. That's Kids, good. ages, yeah. locations, vocations, that, that whatever you want to talk about. Okay, since we were married in '85, seven, no, no. <laughs> okay, the first time you've been here. You were you were married uh, at the height of the Michael Jackson era. Yes, that's what we had for our wedding theme was Michael Jackson. Did you wear like a white glove? Yes, I did. Yeah. It's hard to find one that big, but found it. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so that's, married that's married in the eighties. Yes, eighties. Mm-hmm. We're not uh, sure exactly. At some point in the eighties, you were married. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in the mid eighties, we were married. We know that. So we have six kids. Um, and I'll just give you the stats to begin with. 14 grandchildren. Um, we married 37 years. I do know that. So if you did the math, we'd probably figure out exactly when we were married. 86. 86. Okay, Kim just did the math. That's good. That's good. Um, just uh, vocationally, I, I have developed products for almost 30 years. When we first got married, I was actually working in a warehouse. I worked for... I worked graveyards in a warehouse um, for about the first eight years of our marriage. I was there over uh, right at nine years <clears throat> working in a warehouse. And I started uh, just seeing some things that had been done for the same way many, many years. And uh, so I started developing some products that made life easier in a warehouse. And so as a result, we I ended up self-employed after... 1995 was when I started and so almost not quite 30 years but 28 years now I've been doing that so you invent stuff you patent stuff yeah you sell stuff yeah and and, and Kim what is what is your vocation I am a homemaker homemaker and a grandmother yes tell us the ages of your grandkids our oldest is 14 okay youngest. Our, she will be 14 in May okay our youngest was born um, about a month, month ago. ago Wow okay so so let's let's um let's talk about early GCF. So, um, GCF from a human perspective, Mark was mm-hmm. probably your idea. Yeah. You 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 and my dad and yeah. and your brother in law. Yeah, we they, uh, uh, Bill and I talked for years because I we grew up in a church. Kim and I both grew up in a church where Bill was uh, the, an elder, and later in life, Bill's a friend. He was a you know. Somebody that um, at times I talked to about, you know, just where we were at spiritually, where the church was, kind of where theologically a lot of had a lot had changed since the time we were in the church with him, for me and for him, um, a lot of uh, reading reformed doctrine and theology and you know following some of these guys. The guy that one of the guys that really influenced um, me us as a family was R.C. Sproul. Mm-hmm. And when we first got into the uh, PCA, and so you know, so, just, so this is this is like the 
the the 90s basically this would be the late 90s late 90s like you, you guys you guys had left king's community church right, right. Pro- probably in the mid 90s yeah. mid to late 90s we we left in we left like 92 so we were in we were in the pca church for about six or eight years something like that yeah and um but but intermittent contact with bill and then particularly my brother-in-law, who was also in the PCA church, intermittent contact with Bill. He had probably more contact than I did. But we were really becoming more and more disillusioned with where we're at, when the, particularly in the PCA church that was there. It was struggling in the leader. You know, leadership was really struggling. And so we were more and more talking to Bill. Just kind of, in some ways, it was just kind of a, advice you know what do we do here you know is there is there something out there that we we were looking for a church in spokane that was uh reformed open to the holy spirit uh but but i think more than anything else stable would be a really good you know, we were just looking for a church to go to and which baits the question why did you start gcf uh, <laughs> start, so, 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 so in, start a stable church. So in, in the early 2000s, so it must have been like 01, yeah. because GCF began April 15, 2002, yeah. tax day. Yes. Um, so early 2000s, you guys had your infamous meeting down at uh, the McDonald's on 3rd Avenue. We did, yeah. Right? And, and, yeah. and, and began to talk about the possibility mm-hmm. of, of a church that was mm-hmm. uh, reformed, gospel-centered, open mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit. And uh, early on, there were I think there were five families. Yeah, including Bill and Judy, is five. Yeah. Did you ever think that GCF would be? No way. <laughs> three churches, a thousand people. No, I mean I don't mean to say that negatively. I think sometimes people interpret that when I say I, I just never saw that as kind of a negative thing. I, I I just remember thinking Kim and I, I don't let her chime in here sometime. Anyway, that we, uh, you know, as it got to be a hundred people, we thought, wow, this is. We've made like, it. This is like an actual church. We've I mean, made this it. Is like a We're real, legit. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you you pretty much figured that the next week we'd be there. Whereas when you had 20 people and you knew most of them, it was like, we're Somebody's doing... Somebody's gone and we might not have church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing this. Why? So, so, so Kim, d- describe describe what it was like in the early days. What, were, what are some things you remember about the first year or two of GCF? Well, we made a lot of decisions, like the name of the church and the what we were going to call home groups. <laughs> and now they're community groups. Are you, are you kind of bitter? Not, no. I just don't, never remember. <laughs> and then um, a lot of little kids. We yeah. had a lot of little kids. So we had nursery issues. and. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like we had a lot of visitors, too. I mean, yeah, maybe just proportionally. We had a lot, of, you know, when somebody, one person showed up, it was like, wow, we got a lot of visitors. Your mom used to tell us if we were going to be gone, we had to replace our seats. We had to find a <laughs> somebody to, to take your place. Uh, well, at some point, I want to do a whole episode on the early days of GCF. Yeah. But but this morning, what I want to talk about um, is parenting. And the reason why I want to talk to you guys is because you have six grown children. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all walking with Jesus. They're all members of GCF, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they've all married Christians. I think I just mentioned that. Yes. Um, and they're doing well. And, and that's, that is incredible um, that, that all six of your kids are walking with God. I know you're not perfect parents. I know Mark thinks he's a perfect parent, but I, I know. Absolutely, all the time. 
I go to bed comforted with the thought that I'm a perfect parent. That's but but I want to I want to honor you guys for that. Um, God uses means. Obviously, God is sovereign over who who is saved, but He uses means. Um, and I know there's not a formula for effective parenting, but you, you guys did some things well, obviously. So let's start with your mistakes. Oh. What what mistakes? How long is the podcast? <laughs> Any mistakes you want to talk about? Oh yeah, I think I think one of the first things. Cam, I feel like I'm just dominating this conversation, so you have to talk, okay? Because I know you made lots of mistakes. <laughs> no. um, I think one of the first mistakes I can think of, the first one that comes to mind to me, is my expectations for particularly our oldest. Um, I don't remember how old he was, but you know, I was, I was just. I was just determined that he was going to clean up his room. And he was way too young. He didn't understand what was going on. And Jake, this is our oldest Jake. He, Jake, by nature, is a worker. He loves to work, man. He, you put, you know, if you give him a choice to, you know, sit down and, you know, do a hobby or work, he'll work. You know, that's just the kind of guy he is. And my mistake was thinking that somehow or another this was, um, you know, rebellion. And so trying to strike that from the, the child's heart at a very young age was that's the one that really glares uh, it really mm-hmm. sticks out to me just because I, I regret it so much I guess maybe I don't know so so Kim did you did you ever raise your voice wow <laughs> I have very little patience it would probably be my biggest um, downfall is I have no patience I want things done fast quickly and efficiently and little kids don't always do that right that's weird right. another thing too they just resist it it's kind of strange a lot of our children parent their kids with the gospel. They talk mm. to them about the gospel when they spank them, and they they communicate with their children. We didn't do a lot of communicating. You so, obeyed, or you were punished. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and not that it wasn't usually effective, <laughs> but I don't. I feel like they don't. Um, maybe they they didn't understand why they were obeying as much mm. as. Our, our grandkids do. So, so you guys spanked your children? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, we did. <laughs> Some what, more what, than others. What, yeah. what, who, who, who got spanked the most? I want to know. Oh, that's, uh, well, that's up for debate in our kids' <laughs> lives. That's for sure. Um, you, you know, here's the funny thing, is that I think there was, there was a couple of kids, at least one I can think of, shall not be named, um, that I can think of Probably different types of punishment were actually more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I don't know, Norris it down to four. He don't, was, don't mention Jake's name. I won't. <laughs> it's <Okay>. not Jake. <laughs> he, uh, he, he, he was actually, he, he was actually more, if you isolated him, he was a very social person. So if you isolated him and didn't give him anything to do, kind of just essentially put him in an empty room. That was much more of a punishment for him than spanking. Not that he didn't get spanked, because he did, but that actually at times was more effective with him. Um, but so, no. so when the when the kids were younger, let's say like like one and a half to five or six or seven, what what types of things would you guys spank for? Um, if if they if they didn't obey on the first first time especially if it was you know not that we were consistent. No, we were definitely not consistent. We had four children under five so mm-hmm. everything was moving in all different directions at the same time 
Um, but uh, that was important because I mean there was a there was you know not only is there safety issues, but I think the whole idea of just having your children knowing that they're going to respond, um, you know, when you tell them to do something. Um, and that's tough. That's really hard. I mean, if people said, you know, that's all you got to do is just, you know, you got to discipline if they don't obey the first time. Well, that's not all that easy. You know, and when you got four, four kids moving in four different directions and in, you know, all the other things in life that are going on. Um, it seems like we've disciplined the most for attitude problems. Yeah. They threw a fit because right. we asked yeah. them to do something. Mm. So, so when they were when they were older, like you know, when your kid is sixteen, you can't spank him anymore. Even though I want to spank my kids sometimes right. when they're sixteen. Right. Um, how how did you how did you punish them at different stages? So when they're young, you spank them, but when they're junior high, high school. What did you start doing to discipline them when they got in trouble? It seemed like you could kind of tell what was really going to bother them. Like with Jake, all we had to do was say that his sister was going to drive him to school. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was... was that was the death nail right there. That's, that's like 30 Put that last nail in the coffin. Now, the, yeah. I, th- I think, too, it's it's a lot about, you know, what's the, what's the eventual outcome with your children? Like you, you mentioned the 16-year-old. Okay, when... When a child is ready to leave your house, are you relating to them more as a peer than a you know a top-down authoritarian? Are are you now relating to them peer to peer? Well, not completely, but you are. But I mean, you know, because we're looking down the road, the hope is that they're going to get married, they're going to have their own kids, and it's no longer you know this is what dad says. Yeah, and it doesn't happen that way. That's we not... communicated with them more when they were sixteen. <laughs> so, so it's it seems like uh, your family loves to be together, laugh a lot. Yeah. How how did you guys uh, create a culture of just fun, and and really enjoying each other? What what did you guys do to to create that fun family environment? Besides being fun people, because you are fun people. Oh, um, well, thank you. Um, has a lot to do with food. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of food. If we provide food, our kids will um, come. Yeah, I, I think... Um, we watched a lot of Star Trek. <laughs> That's the There's key. There's the key apparently. right there. There's the key. Yeah, there it is. We're if you Star want Trek. godly kids, yeah. just force them to watch Star Trek. Yeah, I think And if you there. feed them, <laughs> they will come. I do think that so much of successful parenting is is the kids have to see that mom and dad love each other yeah and and they they have to realize if that's christianity i want it or yeah. they're always fighting well it doesn't work i don't, I don't want what my parents have yeah. Yeah. so so how how did you guys well, cultivate a godly marriage in front of your kids i i think one of the things and kim i keep falling on i'm just dominating this whole thing Anyway, I think one of the, the biggest things is just we made our relationship a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we didn't do the weekly dating thing, though. No, we didn't do that because but, every night was date night. Right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, true. No, we did go on vacations. We did. We yeah. went even if it was just a weekend, yeah. was once a year. Yeah, we had a sitting area in our room. So after a certain amount of time, we would go upstairs. Not that our kids wouldn't enter into our sitting room to speak to us. 
well into the night. But we did have private. We were. We did we, things. We were a our, married couple in front of our children. Um, which I think. Wait, what is it? Well, what does that mean? Because I think you can be you can be parents in front of your kids, mm. or you can be a married couple. You can be parents, you know, twenty four seven, where it's it's all about. You know, kids' activities and kids' discipline and kids' eating and kids' this and kids' clothing and kids' all this stuff. I mean, which is, and obviously that's part of life. That's a huge part of life at that time. Or you could be a married couple that's taking care of some kids. And I think today it feels like sometimes kids are elevated to a level, and they were when we were, when we were raising them too, they're, where kids are elevated to this level of, just this massive importance. And it, you know, okay, it's important to raise your kids. Yes, I'm not saying don't raise your kids well. What I'm saying though is you can, as a couple, you should be raising your children. So if that's not working, if Kim and I aren't working, then nothing's working. It's not working, okay? It's not working. And it didn't work sometimes. It didn't, yeah. No, I mean, because we, it didn't. I mean, we went through some years where we were struggling in our marriage. And our whole family struggled. Mm. And and if this foundation, if if we're not working, then the rest of it doesn't is it doesn't work. I mean, it, it might you know it might look okay, it might do a lot of different things, but it's not. Uh, it, it just and I think part of that is the importance of church, you know, the importance of being, you know, in a good church. Yeah. So so I want to I want to pull on that string a little bit because. Again, it's impressive that all your kids grew up in the church and they still love the church. They're all members of the church. Mm-hmm. So, so Kim, what, what types of things did you guys do to cultivate in your kids um, a love for the church? How did you get your kids to see the importance of the church? Because they've all, they've all bought into that vision. So what, what did you guys do? I think that we went to church consistently. We were involved in church. We were committed to church. We did home group. We did all the church things, and we didn't complain about it. It wasn't a chore. We liked to do those things. And I, I've talked to lots of parents that have said, you know, they, they wonder why we don't have more kids' programs, and they want their kids to go to church because they want because they want their kids to go to church, they want more kids' programs. And I don't necessarily think that's what makes kids go to church. It's because they're, they see their parents going to church and being committed to church and how important church is to their parents, and then they want to go to church. Yeah, amen. And and, and your, your kids, most of them were involved in sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys were very busy with Northwest Christian, yet you you still made time for church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And were there most Sundays. Yeah. No, it was it was always a priority in our family, definitely. Yeah, I think all all of our kids were in sports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Multiple seasons of sports. Yeah. So, yeah, six kids having... Yeah, I can't think of any of them that were just a single sport athlete. There's so yeah. Well, it's because Kim's an amazing athlete she herself. Oh, for she's sure. Dominant. For sure. It's really the word that comes to mind when you think about it. Um, physically imposing. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> what what uh, what advice would you give to younger parents, and then what advice would you give to parents of teens? We'll start with the younger parents. So, Kim, what advice would you give to younger parents? You could just say, "Hey, here's two or three things you got to do." What would you What would you say? Um, Keep them alive. Yeah, that's key. <laughs> I think it just for me, if I would have just had a little bit more patience and enjoyed um, 
how they were at the time and not so much worried about making sure that they were um, making me look good. Yeah. And, uh, but still being consistent and spanking them and training them. Yeah, good. I think, I think sometimes to add on to that, to kind of dovetail onto that, I think it, everyone tells you this when they're almost 60 years old, same thing. That time goes so quickly. You know, you need to enjoy that time. It's really true. And I mean, I, at times, I mean, and I did take that to heart at times. I think just kind of take a breath, um, you know, think about where you're at with your kids. Um, you know, rejoice where you're at. I mean, even in the hard times, there's a lot. I mean, like I said before, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things going on. But to enjoy that time a little bit, it's tough. I get that. But it's important to slow down and really enjoy it. I don't really remember the 90s. Yeah. So <laughs> I think if I would maybe enjoy it a little bit more. Mm, yeah. So older kids? Yeah. How, how, about, how about advice for parents with teenagers? Um, I, I think a little bit about what we talked about before. What's the what is the trajectory we're trying to? What are we trying to accomplish here? I mean, because am I when my child, you know, my oldest is thirty six now, thirty six. Oh my goodness, let let that sink in for a minute. Anyway, our oldest is thirty six, and I want to relate to him as a peer, as an adult, as a friend, as a a brother in Christ. If I don't start that at some time, and generally speaking, in my mind, that starts in the teen years, to begin to say to them, you know, this is what life looks like when you're mid-20s, mid-30s, you know. Um, I'm using hand gestures, by the way. Um, this is what it looks like, and this is what it's going to be like. And so if we I just keep treating you like a four-year-old, um, what's what's that trajectory, you know, in 10 years when you're, you know, 24, you're 14 now, you're 24, uh, you look, you're acting like a four-year-old, basically. Everything comes, the world beats a path to your door. That's what I used to say to my kids all the time. The world does not beat a path to your door. And so you need to know that here now, you know. And so life is, there's some tough things ahead. And to explain and talk about some of those things and what it looks like, and um, the decisions that you're going to have to make as you get older, um, about spouses, about children, about just, uh, you know, jobs. Um, not always effective in a 14-year-old's mind, but I think that as you, as you walk through that, you are, you are now building a relationship that is peer-to-peer -peer rather than um, mom or dad to, to child. And so I, I, th I personally think that's important. And other people might say, eh, I, you know, whatever. It's a delicate balance of letting them make their own mistakes yeah. and experience their own things and still controlling that they're not doing yeah. horrible exactly. things. I remember when Jake lived in our basement. I think he was 19. Mm -hmm. And you were super concerned about him eating his vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, you, well, do you remember well, that? cereal is not. You can't live on that. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think you bought for him a, a bunch of like big bottles of like vegetable juice for him mm -hmm. to drink. Yeah. V8. Yeah. V8, something, yeah, yeah, to keep him alive. I think, uh, too, the, just as an example, when Jake got his tattoo, we were, I was upset about it. And um, 
but he came and told us that he got his tattoo because he had been at his membership interview with you and and I think to put that in perspective he was at his church membership interview <laughs> and that's why he told his parents he got a tattoo <laughs> so the tattoo really isn't that bad it's a pretty sweet tattoo it was the um, it was a I should have just taken uh, glory in the fact that he was wanting to become a church member Amen. Hmm. Yeah. Amen. and not so much work because the tattoo didn't affect his heart right it's so it's so easy to be you know in the thick of things you know, in the middle of child raising and just be discouraged yeah. and run down and wrung out and almost physically things. exhausted yeah. when they're young yeah. and and it's hard to step back and i'd say that's one of the things that as parents you know when you say about oh let's go take a you know have a date or whatever i think it'd be important at that time to just step back and say okay where are we at here you know um yes day to day it's a grind you know day to day it's um wow i mean it, yeah. but our kids you know overall you know they're healthy they're happy you know they're the, some of the things that are going on they're they're thriving um you and know, they, god's at work in this area and god's at work in that area and i can see growth over here and you know to take those times actually assess in other words step back take a minute to assess where you're at, where your kids are at, and is there a direction change that we need to do, something like that. Well, and when they're kids, when they live with you, you can see all the things that they're not doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not picking up their towels, they're not putting their food away, they're not right. whatever, and it becomes discouraged, and then they move out, and you think, wow, that you can just look at them as an overall person, like, mm-hmm. like I would look at you and think, oh, they're doing pretty good. They love Jesus, they're... They're happy. Mm-hmm. They're, um, you know, good parents. Yeah. They're married, nice, good people. Yeah, yeah. So, well, to wrap it up again, you you guys should be so encouraged. I, I know that God is sovereign. There's not a formula, but God uses means. Yeah. And and you guys have been faithful to get your kids to church, discipline them, love them, model godly marriage, have a lot of fun with them, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all doing well. Which Over, is, overall, we are very, very happy, proud. I don't know what you'd say about our kids. We really are. Our kids are, um, <laughs> despite their parents, they're doing well. Your dad told said once a long time ago that you should do the best you can, and then you should just cry out for mercy for all the rest. <laughs> We've done a lot of crying out. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to Flock Talk, a ministry of GCF North. GCF North exists to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community. To learn more, go to our website, gcfnorthspokane.org.